Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, as I always am. You know, one of the things that, before I introduce my next guest, uh, one of my goals with this podcast is to make sure that we are sharing all of the different programs that are out there available to folks here in Northwest Arkansas, in addition to creating awareness for people that may be coming here and wondering, well, do they have this in Northwest Arkansas or do they have that in Northwest Arkansas? And if somebody is listening to this podcast, wondering if they will be able to continue their ballet lessons for their children in Northwest Arkansas when they relocate here in the next couple of months, well, the answer is emphatically yes, they can take ballet classes here in Northwest Arkansas. and. My next guest is going to talk extensively about that. 
He is David Lee Sanders. He's the executive director of the Ozark Ballet Theater right here in Northwest Arkansas. And so without further ado, let's welcome David Lee Sanders to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's good to have you. And and thank you so much for, for taking time out. I know we, I'm trying to remember where we connected, but I know that I saw your name and, and the organization that you were part of. And I was like, oh, I, I need to have him on the podcast because, you know, we've had Sona on and, and of course, Crystal Bridges and a lot of different arts organizations and artists we've had on this podcast. And so, you know, dance is a form of art. It's a form of expression. And the ballet, I love the ballet personally, and I'm, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But awesome. I have this whole I have this whole thing about the the Nutcracker that I just absolutely love that and Swan Lake and, and a few others. But we'll talk about that down the road. But <laughs> without further ado, I want to just kind of indoctrinate our audience to who David Lee Sanders is. You know, as I look at you, I can tell you're a dancer of sorts, or maybe, you know, in your, in a former life, you were a really phenomenal dancer and expressionist of dance. But I, I would love for you just to kind of share with our audience here at I Am Northwest Arkansas a little bit about you and your, as we like to call it, superhero origin story. <laughs> well, try as I might. They never really let male ballet dancers retire. So <laughs> I could tell you right now that I'm a teacher and an executive director, and this is my job now. And I'll probably be lying. They'll, they'll probably, somebody will come to me <laughs> and they'll have, they'll have the right things to make me go and, and put on the tights again. Actually, I had to do it back in our Nutcracker back in December. Okay. Suddenly found myself in one week's notice having to rent a tunic, put on the white tights, <laughs> take all of this and get it on the stage. It was okay. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I came to dance uh, relatively late. I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. I'm somebody who always needed to exercise and move or I f would feel depressed. ADHD, learning disabilities, dyslexia. I, was, I always needed to be active. I was very fidgety. I was one of those kids that never quite lived up to his potential, that sort of thing. <laughs> and I found ballet really turned me around. Yeah. Um, and came to it at 16. The school I was involved in was a nonprofit ballet school. And had it not been, there never would have been the, the funding or the acceptance for me to, to do what I did. I, I then went to major in dance at the University of Arizona after dancing for just three years yeah. there in North Texas. And from there, I actually, I, I dropped out. I was recruited by a ballet company. Okay. I, I joined State Street Ballet out, out on the West Coast. I was only there for one season before I, I left that and began a freelance career that took me all over the U.S. I worked with companies and schools just everywhere. It would take too long to list it. I landed back near my hometown in Dallas in 20... Oh, gosh. How old are we now, Randy? It's, what, year, what year is it? <laughs> it is in 2023. 20, in 2013. Okay. Um, 10 so, years ago. Yeah. Whew. I know, See, there right? There you go. Time. Landed back in Dallas... And, and there I was dancing with a couple of small regional companies and we had, were just performing every weekend. I was doing stuff there. That's where I met my wife. Oh. So we were dancing together. We were performing all over the place. They, they made us a partnership, basically. Two different companies had us doing classical patadas, contemporary works together mm -hmm. all over the place every weekend. And in the studio, we would squabble and argue and nobody suspected that you know behind the scenes other things were happening um <laughs> and uh after a while we were just kind of tired of what that scene had to offer and so 
My wife came from a background. She learned from Ukrainian dancers. Okay. The Vaganova method. They were very, very well-known, world-famous dancers. And they they were getting a little older. And she wanted to go back and spend some time training with them again so that we could move on to the next stage of our careers. So they were in Orlando. We went to Orlando for what we planned on being six months. Yeah. Get some training in. And then we were hoping to hop on over to Europe. It wasn't six months. It ended up being five years. <laughs> um, so there in Orlando, we're there for five years. I had had some friends who, some family friends who retired here back in 2010. Mm-hmm. I visited them. It was when Crystal Bridges was still under construction. Christmas, I think 2010. Yeah, they opened in 2011. So yeah. 11, 11, 11. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, easy to remember. And I really enjoyed the place. Their daughter eventually moved here too. And then their other daughter, who was my best friend in high school, also eventually came out here. So my wife and I, just before COVID, we were looking for a place where we felt you could still get ahead on grit and skill and, again, uh, merit, I, lack of a better word here. So I remembered Northwest Arkansas, and we started looking into it. And we had always wanted to open our own ballet school. At the time, I was doing... We had a daughter in the middle of all of this. And so I went and got the arts was not a viable career path in Orlando. I was working as a logistics professional for an aviation company. Okay. You can see where this is going. (laughs) So we found Northwest Arkansas. I was already working remote. This is pre-COVID and we were closing on a house. Okay. Yeah. A nice home. A uh, 1800 square foot, 4-2 on a double lot up in Bella Vista for $180,000, if you can believe it. It feels like a lifetime ago. I know. It was a lifetime ago. Right? Yeah. (laughs) And my boss was cool with it because I mostly dealt with international clients. So the hours I worked didn't really matter anyway. COVID came and it wiped out my job immediately because international clients saw COVID coming long before March 2020. We, We saw it in December. We stopped getting payments. That whole industry took a huge hit. Yep. And because of that, they canceled our closing about three days before the house was supposed to close. Oh, man. And so suddenly without a job and without anything, my wife and I looked at each other. I mean, there was no savings almost at this point. And we were living in Orlando, which had become incredibly expensive. And yeah. we said, let's just do it anyway. We, so you took a leap of faith. Oh, huge leap of faith <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm, I'm still flying through the air on. Yeah. So something else that attracted us here, we saw that... There's a lot of opportunities for kids here. I don't want anybody to take this wrong. There's just factually, there's a lot of inequity. And there is no nonprofit ballet school, or there was no nonprofit ballet school. Right. We saw that about Northwest Arkansas. And were you surprised when you saw that? I was because in the big cities where I have always trained, all of the people that I've worked for, almost every major school that you can think of in the country that's producing professional dancers operates as a nonprofit or has a large nonprofit branch. It's a really good way to get some you know, extra help. The thing is, is ballets are expensive. Live performing arts in general are expensive, ballets especially. And it, I, could, I could come up with a hundred reasons why, but most of it is space. Mm-hmm. You know, for me to practice my art, I need a a 60 foot diagonal, a flat ground on a sprung floor. And that is not easy to find anywhere anymore. So, you know, the the nonprofit model allows us to not only make pricing accessible for kids, but it opens up venues for funding and and that we wouldn't otherwise have. 
So yeah, it was surprising to to see that didn't exist. And that was good for you though. It was good. Yeah. And my wife and I, I mean, her school, the school we were running in, she was running in Orlando. That was also a nonprofit. So we were just astounded. She came up in that school on scholarship and both of us got to be professional dancers. Dance is not accessible. The amount of training you need to do now to kind of like become, to, to have a career in dance requires a commitment that is almost impossible for 90% of the population. Yeah. And it's kind of like gymnastics and a few other sports. Yeah, well, where, most sports and, yeah. and and now a whole lot of other vocations in general. Yeah. You know, it, it can be difficult to find that path. And, and so doing that and also asking, I mean, just getting the training, just the, we, we asked our advanced students, if you want to train to be a professional ballerina, we need you four hours a day, six days a week. And in the summer, we need you seven hours a day. And, and that's, that's the time commitment you've got to put into it. You've got to find the time for school and all of this other stuff within that. And you've got to also do the, do the stuff at home, you know, yeah, <laughs> stretching yeah, and all yeah, of that. Yeah. It's a big, big commitment. It's a lot to ask anybody. And especially somebody who's struggling financially. I mean, I know I was, my, my family had nothing. I would not have been able to afford a dance class at all as a kid, except it was free. So we offered that. We just came in and tried to fill that gap. And, you know, we, we actually got here and I was looking for another job. We got here July 2020, 2020, July of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for another job and it wasn't easy. Like I told you, I dropped out of college and most of those career paths ideas kind of made me love the money, of course, but <laughs> made yeah. me feel a little miserable. Right. And, and I saw that my wife needed to teach. She needed something to do. And uh, so we just, one day we sat down and we decided to go for it. We wrote up this plan. Starting the the school. Yeah. Yeah. We had no money, but we had found some really cool resources in Northwest Arkansas. We had identified so many needs and we just went for it. We filed our LLC uh, two years ago today, February 21st, 2021, and applied for a nonprofit, which came through, gosh, I think we went on an accelerated time scale in that, and we got our, we filed for it in, in February and got it in June. Wow, that was, nothing, cool. that was quick. Nothing bouncing That's, back. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been pleased to see some other organizations come up since then. Yeah. And there were a few organizations here. I don't want to, to not, I mean, you got to shout out like Transformation Station and WA. They're a group that specifically exists to give kids scholarship to dance. Sure. But n- none of them are, are, are professional ballet training programs that are nonprofit, that, that provide scholarships to kids. One, Similar to what you experienced growing up in e- Dallas. Exactly, okay. yes. Yeah. One third of our students are on full scholarship. Okay. And I'm sure we're going to get into, because you were talking about Nutcracker and Swan Lake. And, <laughs> well, those um, are some of my favorites, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to learn more about this because it's, I think it's the inner workings of what you guys have done with Ozark Ballet Theater, which people can really appreciate, right? I mean, when you think of ballet, you obviously, you think of the Nutcracker, you think of Swan Lake, you think of some of the the classics. But what people don't see is all the work that goes into actually being able to put a production like that on. Oh, that, <laughs> am the I right? work and the money, Randy. <laughs> so, uh, I recently made my report to the board and to, uh, I included some of my better volunteer, like my, my more involved parents in that. And sure. That included how much money my wife and I made yeah. last year. We were working 60 hour weeks and they cannot believe that that's all that we took. Everything else got poured back into right, the business. Right, right. So 
when Ozark Ballet Theater started, we, my wife and I were hired over the summer one year. Uh, this was 2021. So we had started. My wife and I got hired to do the summer program at Arkansas Arts Academy. Mm-hmm. And this was a very disparate group of kids. Yeah. Uh, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all demographics. None of them had had real consistent training. And we, we had a great time with those kids. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the, a big driving force behind what I do is that I think the works that are created by the kinds of people who can afford to become choreographers in their careers, and this is just a, a, an observation from the last 10, 15 years of, of the professional concert dance world, mm-hmm. since it's become so gatekept and so difficult to get into, they're all people from exactly the same background and demographic. So I think they're boring. <laughs> just, it's just boring. I'm bored of those kids. I, I want to see the kids who come from different places. I want to see the kids who struggle because they have problems I can help them with and things I can relate to. And so I think that when we take any kind of classical art form and uh, make it more difficult to get involved with, we take so much of the creativity out of it. Yeah, Ballet as a storytelling device is largely dead or dying in America. There's a lot of companies who are doing very experimental things, very abstract things. You're not seeing so many, even though I would say it might be coming back in the next couple of years, you're not seeing so many narrative ballets. And the way I look at that, and this is, doesn't have that much to do with education, only it's creating, we got to have a place for these kids to go. If we're yeah. making professional dancers, they need to go out and get some professional work. And my, my wife and I are singularly devoted to making professional dancers. So you're not seeing so many of the narrative ballets. You're seeing a lot of sort of indulgent almost dances about the self that are kind of abstract. And uh, Give us an example of the narrative. Oh, okay. Uh, Swan Lake. Okay. Yes. Right. So, uh, yes. Yeah. A prince falls in love with a swan for some reason. Anyway, um, we could go. I don't <laughs> right, know what right, the narrative but, is, but, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So just a story-driven ballet. There's many of these pieces that I like. When I talk about these abstract pieces, it always sounds like I'm putting them down. I don't mean to. I think that they're great. I also think that they're contributing to the de- to audience declines in ballet because if you're trying to capture a new audience, I use a metaphor of like a movie. If somebody comes to you, they're 35 years old and they say, hey, I've never seen a film before. You're not going to show them like a racer head. You know, like, yeah. like <laughs> their first movie, you, you know, sometimes you need... You need the entertainment. You need the enjoyable popcorn flick. Right. And maybe Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah, High or something like that. You've got to bring your audience in and establish their trust in you as a storyteller. Yeah. And then maybe you can show them something weird. And then maybe half of them will be like, you know what? That was different, but I liked it. Now you've got an audience who's into it. But what we've had instead, in my opinion, is a lot of abstract, esoteric things that people go and see. And then they're like, what the hell is that? What just happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they either never go to a ballet again, or they tell people that they've seen this and it's ridiculous or indulgent. Obviously, it's not universally the case. Some people love that stuff just automatically. And I think that that's great. So I don't know. We, we're big proponents of storytelling in ballet and hearing new stories. And we, we want students with a unique background to tell those stories. So yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that the nonprofit, the scholarship giving aspect, it's not just philanthropic. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important 
generally to sustaining our art form right. is, is in increasing access to it. And we found Northwest Arkansas in particular to be a great place for this. There's a lot of support for the arts here. Tremendous there's amount of support. A for the tremendous arts. amount yeah. of support for the arts. I will say there's not much understanding of, of the unique needs of dance. We often get grouped in with theater and music right. in a exactly. way. And, and, and again, all three of those things have their own challenges and we can all interface with each other. We, we're all people who perform on a stage. But that's about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so sometimes, you know, our needs and what is being funded out there don't quite match up. Sure. Um, luckily, that hasn't mattered. Last year, we received $20,000 in personal donations, $5,000 in, in small grants, and we did $75,000 in additional revenue, ticket sales and, and everything else. Not that we made any money. We broke even on all that, but... <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's start. I mean, you guys are but still the community, young. The community came out. Yeah, yeah, the community came out. The community showed up. And so we proved that there is a desire for this. Our first go out with a Nutcracker, we sold out one show. We almost sold out two. And we, we never performed for fewer than 60% of a, of a sold out crowd. Sure. So that was pretty cool to see. It was our first year out. It wasn't our first performance. That was back in May. We did The Firebird at a... a Almost totally uh, faithful recreation of the 1910 Michael Fokine original choreography of the Firebird. We did that out in out in Springdale. Okay, no idea if anybody would show up. Right, about 600 people showed up. Wow, that one was. Did that man, surprise you? Well, I wish more would have. It's a huge crowd. It's a it's a really big. That was at the Don Tyson School of Innovation. Okay, but no, I mean we were we just we didn't know what to expect. And you want to talk about a leap of faith. That was our second one. We had found out that through no fault of their own, a great organization here that's called NWA Ballet Theater, which is a uh, professional company, had lost their funding on the back of COVID. Sure. And so in the middle of their season, they let the dancers go. I heard about that. So my wife and I did not want to, we didn't want to live in a area that didn't have professional dancers in it. Yeah. And this was just the, usually, you know, you plan something like this for two years. <laughs> we, we had just randomly bought because they were for sale for really inexpensive. We had bought the costumes that, for a complete firebird and we we're like, cool. Now we have that in the future. We can do the firebird. Yeah. We saw these dancers were, were without work and we said, okay, let's hire them. Okay. This was February, 2022. So we were about one year old now. We had this audition and all of the professionals that showed up, we gave them a contract right then and there. I said, guys, I don't know how this is going to go, but you need to train and you need to work and you need to stay here. And so, you know, come on and do this. And then uh, Ukraine was invaded. Yeah. And my wife and like, like I mentioned before, and by the way, any expertise in ballet I claim to have, She's forgotten more about ballet than I than I've ever known in my life. Now, is um, she is she from Ukraine? Originally? She is she is not. Okay, no, okay. you you might notice that she has some uh, some funny accent foibles when she's teaching a ballet class, but that's only because all of her teachers were always uh, uh, Russian or Ukrainian. Russian. I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we 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 end up with these habits, but uh, no, she's she's born in New Jersey and she's from Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. So we had worked with dancers from the Kiev National Theater for years and years. Her school would always bring them in for 
various shows. And so we knew that there must be some dancers who were stuck in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And we were right. And this is just another cool Northwest Arkansas thing. Shout out to the Mount Sequoia Center. I knew, having only been here a little over a year at that point, I knew that I could find housing for stranded Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. And I contacted a friend of mine and I said, hey, are any of your friends stuck in the U.S. on a tour or anything? And he said, yeah. And that night, nine people contacted me. Mm. And I called Mount Sequoia, the Mount Sequoia Center up there. Yep. Shout out to Jessica Dabari. I say I called in the nonprofit center. I called her cell phone at like <laughs> 11 p.m. at night, freaking out because my friends were getting bombed in Kiev and, you know, drinking a beer. And I said, Jessica, I have some artists who, who need housing. Can you get it for them? And she said, yeah, they can just come to Mount Sequoia and stay there. Oh, wow. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have another question. And luckily, most of them were able to find some work. We did bring two in and, uh, and they performed as well uh, in a, a little performance before the Firebird. Stayed with us all summer. It was a pretty wild time. The Walton Arts Center helped them find some work out in California. And as happy ending as that can be at the moment with the way things are right. approaching the one year anniversary of that invasion. But it's just kind of a cool thing about the Northwest Arkansas. Just, just when, when people are trying to ask me, like, like, is there support for the arts there? What are the people like there? I'm like, I'm like the people are like, you can call and find housing and support the Community Foundation, the Arkansas Community Foundation, mm -hmm. who, you know, usually for a grant to come through, listener, if you haven't ever done a grant, oh my gosh, for a grant to come through, you know, you're usually looking at three to nine months of back and forth paperwork. Somebody contacted them. They contacted me. They put a $5,000 check in the mail. And that was just to cover the expenses of having those Ukrainians in. I didn't totally cover it, but, <laughs> but it I mean, but that's, that's the sort of thing that happens here in Northwest Arkansas. That's, yeah. that's really cool. And that, you know, makes me feel so, so blessed to live here that, I mean, there was, there was no question. There was no, nobody's looking into it. Nobody's, and these dancers that I didn't, we didn't bring them here to work. Yeah. We just brought them here to have a safe place to be. So that, I mean, it was just neat. And then they were part of the Firebird with us. <laughs> you pulled everybody in. I'm surprised I didn't get a call for that. So. And you know what? Next time, man, next time you, you, you say you've seen classical ballet, yes, you're, you're yes. close enough. All yeah. right. You know what? I, you know how to, yeah. We'll put you in one. I always tell my parents like to be careful. There, there's right. some that are really into volunteering. Don't get I'm too like, close to the I'm stage. I'm like, don't get too close to that stage. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna find yourself in like an 18th century tuxedo or something. So I'm jumping all around in this story. No, here. it's fine. So let me ask you a question. I really want to kind of capture the essence of what you've experienced since you actually started the Ozark Ballet Theater. What have what have your interactions been like with the parents? And with the kids, what were you surprised about as you've gotten to know a lot of your students that are here in Northwest Arkansas, right? In terms of what are their, some of their goals and dreams of dance and what it means to them. What have you taken away from that? It's certainly been unique. I've always been in an area that had a, a very strong ecosystem for what I do, which is classical ballet. Right. Classical ballet dancers are considered very versatile, so they're used in modern, contemporary, and jazz dance all the time, but you can just study classical ballet. Around here, there's quite a few people who have studied a lot of what we would call competition dance, Sure, and it's, it's kind of related to tumbling and cheer, and it's dance more as a sport than as an expressive art form. And so what we've ended up with is kids with a 
really varied but oh, but universally limited understanding of the world of dance and so it's been very refreshing it's always fun there's always so much surprise about things the kids that we have right now we've got about 60 students mm-hmm. we still don't have our own facility long yeah. story we'll get to it later and we're training a lot of them 5 6 days a week and i mean They've built such a cool and supported environment. I can't take any credit for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, my wife, completely unbiased. She's the best ballet teacher I've ever seen. But I'm not even sure how much she's contributed to it. Our kids are so cool. They're so interested in learning. They really, really keep us going. Like Um, sponges, huh? Man. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's, there's, again, when you're... When you have that ecosystem that you would have in a bigger city, like think New York City, most of the kids that are going into the big dance schools already know a lot about dance. And again, we're surprising these kids every day. So that's, that's fun. You know, you really get to, to see in real time as these kids learn stuff. And I, just the, the way they support each other, dance can be a really cutthroat place. Yeah. And we just haven't seen that. They all came from a different background. They, they all are really interested in learning what we do. Um, I should just, for Ozark Ballet Theater's sake, point out that we do the Vaganova method for classical ballet. Okay. It's, the, it's the Russian method. Okay. That's still taught in all the major Russian and Ukrainian schools. And uh, th- that's our background. Uh, we're the only Vaganova Academy in the region. How do you spell that? Uh, V-A-G-A-N-O-V-A. Okay, perfect. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes <laughs> with uh, maybe a link to the Wiki- Wikipedia page so yeah, people can a, have an understanding a of, a gun of a, yes. Yeah, so, she was a ballet master. Yeah, you know, because I always think about like when I think of ballet and, and so my experience, as I had alluded to earlier, was um, I got exposed to ballet early and I saw the Nutcracker, I think when I was like uh, eight or nine. And okay. it just really blew my mind and Drosselmeyer and I mean, just the, all the characters. And then when I Moved out to the Bay Area and I lived out there for about six years. I had a friend who worked in the same office with me and she was an usher at the San Francisco Ballet. And she was like, oh, you should come because the ballet was expensive. This was like in the 90s. And so and I'm dating myself now. But so she was like, so she got me like a job ushering at the San Francisco Ballet. So I saw everything. Yeah. And it was insanely, it just opened my eyes. You know, here I am, a black guy from New Jersey, speaking of which. and. By way of, well, I was originally born in Richmond, Virginia, but I grew up in New Jersey. So I'm an East Coast boy. And here I am going to the ballet on a regular basis and loving it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, just just blew my mind. And so I've always tried to expose my kids to the arts, but especially to different other expressive arts like ballet and and all different types of dance. But, you know, I think it's important for all of us to kind of get a well-rounded understanding and appreciation for the arts and more than just one medium in area. So, right. And that was kind of my, that's my short origin story with ballet. And I love it to this day. And, oh yeah. And I'll, I'll go continue to go see ballet whenever I can. I think if you're in the United States and you want to hook somebody on ballet, you, you really can't do much worse than taking them to, I mean, much better. Shoot. Much it's worse. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have to do some editing. <laughs> no, it's fine. And everyone, this is going to be edited heavily. <laughs> you can't do much better than the, the San Francisco ballet. That is one of the greatest companies in the world, uh, yeah. in my opinion. So, if that's your first ballet, then that's a, a really great <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in point, in road there. Yeah. No, that it is great. It's really good to expose these kids to that. I will say there's, 
a lot of programming out there and there's funding for programming like this that I'm struggling with right now. And this is nationwide. I've done a lot of work teaching ballet classes to kids in like inner city Dallas. And, and it's really rewarding to do those after school programs. But there's a lot of efforts I'm seeing to take short ballets and take them into schools and show them like, hey, this is what ballet looks like. Okay, I, I really love that. I love getting these kids to see ballet. Yeah. But to me, there needs to be the other side of that because essentially what we're doing if we're just performing and then leaving is we're showing kids something that they can never have. Yeah, exactly. And we'll tell them, oh, you can be yeah. anything you want, but it's just not true. <laughs> right. Something like classical ballet, classical music take such a a time commitment, just a time commitment, mm -hmm. just a, a driving commitment from your parents that even people who do have the money to afford the lessons, they're probably working too much to yeah, get their kid right. there all the time that right. they need. And it's that's the case where it kind of takes a village. I would imagine that you've got several students that where parents share the carpool and yeah. You know, some people do it this week and others do it another week. And so, I mean, I think because they do that in sports. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm starting some outreach with the with the Latinx community. The, you know, the problems of, of demographics aren't that, you know, like it's more common for people in that community to start working as young teenagers yeah, to help absolutely. support the family. Sure. And so. So not only now is it a financial issue or a ride issue, like they're literally helping make ends meet. It's an economic issue. Yeah. And yeah. so they're, they're obviously going to get... So, you know, we're, I'm, I'm in the process right now of, of recruiting new board members and from that community to inform me on how we can do some outreach and, and start to shape, you know, what it looks like to get all of these kids on the same level of training and commitment mm -hmm. so that they can have the same opportunities in the future. I can't control what happens after. I can't... There's a lot of companies now that can't afford to pay very many dancers. So they yeah. have second companies and apprenticeships and they, they, they do the same thing that you would see with like a lot of internships where it's sort of like you have to be able to afford to work for three years for no money Yeah, <laughs> in order to achieve this. I can't control that, but I think that we live in a, in a, in a community, in a region that when the problem is, is well told and well explained, we can always find the solution sure. and the resources that we need to, to get these kids on the same level. So that we're not erasing voices just by basically just by existing. Yeah, um, yeah. I got it. Um, we we want these kids to dance. We want them to experience joy in the way that we experience it. It's so much different from so many of the other art forms you get to do. And for kids who are like me, who have you know are bouncing off the walls, you need <laughs> ADHD. That. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's and an outlet. Jumping from one thing to the next thing. It, not just an outlet, it wears you out. <laughs> in a good way. In, in a, a good, good way. way. Yeah, in a good absolutely. way. But uh, I mean, it's a level of exercise in a world where we're dropping more and more physical exercise from, oh, from public school. Well, I would imagine if you've got 60 kids, I would say that probably two thirds of that group does not receive adequate physical education experience in their local schools. Yeah. So what you're offering and giving them is that uh, external movement, that ability to just get out and move the body. Mm -hmm. well, you know, when I grew up and probably when you grew up, but definitely when I grew up, yeah. like, recess was a big deal. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, we were out playing kickball and doing everything for an hour at a minimum yeah. every day. Yeah. These kids don't get that. That's no. why the, the NFL instituted that play 60, you know, yeah, it's like absolutely. something. So. Well, and you know, the, what's funny is, is there's also like kind of a, a management aspect to that, that kids are missing now too. There's a, 
there was this uh, sort of self-management on the playground. That uh, idea of organizing a ball game of any kind, like incredibly complicated, but kids will do it automatically. Absolutely. If you just give them the ball in the space, it'll happen. <laughs> and we see that in our, in our rehearsals. Our, our kids are really excited to learn and to rehearse. And so not only are we getting them that, the physical outlet, they, they're getting the cooperative experience. Ballet is, is a team sport. And it's different from the from the competitive dance. It's never just about one person. The, yeah. the, the show is about everybody. Yeah, it keeps our kids really grounded. There's not drama about casting. We don't have. It doesn't look like you know. It doesn't look like a, a dance movie from the '90s. It's everybody is there. They understand what their job is, and yeah. and they and they do the job, and they enjoy doing the job, and that's. Better than I can say for any job I've had in corporate America. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, these kids are—I mean—they're—they're they're so determined, and and uh, just the structure and discipline of ballet kind of just makes that happen. And so it's—it's it's always rewarding to see. And I'm glad you understand. It's—it's it's difficult for me sometimes to put into words the way that classical ballet training is not just a an after-school hobby for so many kids. It's a full vocation. Classical ballet taught me management. It taught me how to put on a classical ballet, which, yeah. which involves technical theater, it involves lighting, it involves a ton of spreadsheets, you know, all of that stuff I learned on the job from doing it. And it's, it's all just part and parcel of the education of classical ballet. So it's never something that you can just do and then just leave behind. And, you know, it's amazing to give these kids something that will always be a part of them, but it's also a huge responsibility that can weigh on you because holy crap, this is always going to be a part of them. It better be a positive experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, well, in, in the same way that it has been a part of your life, your hope and desire is that you're able to replicate some of the same feelings that you have and your experiences over time with these young people, right? Absolutely. And not just replicate the good things, address the bad things. Yeah. And there are very publicly bad things in very large classical ballet institutions, which are being addressed. Yeah. And rightfully so. And they've needed to be addressed for a long time. And it's great to be involved in an organization that's starting from the ground up so we can control our narrative and control our culture to be a place of, of health and encouragement and not a, a, a place of abuse. Because, and it's the same in sports, organized sports, everything, you know, it's, there are things to address and, and abuses to, to address and uh, pressures and things to remove. And so we, we're getting to do that systemically. Everybody's got a lot to learn, right? but we're doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and these aren't necessarily issues within your organization. Oh, no, but, absolutely not. But they are, they are certainly issues that people are aware of and they hear about, right? Yeah. They, gymnastics has dealt with it. I mean, there's a lot of different areas of sports and, and other artistic practices that have that have dealt with that so yeah and that's the thing is is we i want to be approachable and if parents have a concern about having their kid in ballet because they heard of what's happening in new york city right, or, or right. something like that i want to address it i want to talk about it with them and and not just brush it away because that's what kind of got them there yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people have a kicking hard time in, having the conversation under the rug as they say yeah so. So sorry, this conversation just took a, a strange turn. No, 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 no. <laughs> so well, I mean, again, so. it's it's holistic, right? Because yeah. again, we want people, and that's what I, I wanted to kind of, as we land this, I, I really wanted you to help the listener understand that somebody that's listening to this may have a young son or daughter that has expressed an inclination for dance and has expressed an inclination for ballet. How, how do they get involved with what you guys are doing there at the Ozarks Ballet Theater? Okay. We have two locations at the moment. 
Big shout out to Mesh Food Labs and Karen Kennedy. They are a food science organization. Karen called me out of the blue one day. I taught her her daughters a few times and said, hey, I don't know if you're interested in this, but I use the kitchen in a disused restaurant in Bentonville for developing you know, shelf-stable foods for different companies. And I don't use the dining room. And I also just bought a, a, a gymnastics tumbling floor. Can you make that a dance floor? And I said, I could try. <laughs> so every morning, we train professional dancers. We offer free classes for professional dancers. So if you are a dancer looking for some training or a teacher... Where is that? That's that in- is in Bentonville. In that Bentonville. is at 201 Southwest 14th Street, Suite 207. Or no, Suite 107. I'll put all Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, so we were there Monday... I mean, sorry, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Monday, Friday, and Saturday, we are at the Arkansas Arts Academy in downtown Rogers, mm-hmm. where we have a, a very large studio in that space. That partnership has been ongoing since some of the very first stuff that we did. And uh, our Saturday classes are, are where we have most of our very youngest kids. So if you have, you know, a three to seven year old <laughs> and, uh, and they're interested in ballet, yeah. they should come try it out at okay. the Arkansas Arts Academy uh, High School in Rogers at 10 a.m. On, on Saturdays. Yeah. And I think that's on Poplar Street. Yeah, it's on yes. Poplar. Yeah, and right. Not I said I say downtown right it's, near it's downtown. It's right near downtown. It's on yeah. Poplar. It's about two or three blocks before you get to Haas Hall Academy. Yeah, Rogers, which is like right at downtown Rogers. Yes, or DTR as the cool kids. Oh say, right? man, I gotta get I gotta get with it. You gotta get with it, man. Shoot. Yeah, and then we have our level two ballet. That's kind of seven to nine or nine or ten years old. That's Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's again in Bentonville. Okay, and then if you aren't interested in coming to train, but you want to see something, uh, we are doing Snow White this spring. Oh, now, okay. um, again, we're, we're focusing on story ballets. We want our kids to experience what a full-length ballet is, right. and uh, we want to show them to our audiences. This one was choreographed by Vadim Fedotov, uh, my wife's mentor, mm-hmm. who unfortunately uh, recently passed away. His family has left her with his entire body of work. She wow. has, yeah, she, they, they, Gave her the rights to his body of work, and so this year we're devoting what we do to him. His last piece uh, was a, a part of a beautiful gala that he organized himself that raised. Oh, I don't want to get the figure wrong. It raised a lot a good of money. money. Yeah, <laughs> a good amount of money so. for uh, for Ukraine, and then yeah, his so his family had given us these things. So we're doing Snow White at, at the Medium by Cash uh, near downtown Springdale. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be April 22nd and 23rd. Tickets are on sale now. You can find them on our Facebook. I find a link on our Facebook. That's the easiest place to find stuff. We'll be doing a big advertising push very shortly on that. Okay. Um, right. So yeah, you, even if you want to ignore it, you're probably not going to be able to. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty irritating <laughs> like that. What, now, what's your website address? Our website address is ozarkballettheater.com. You can also just reroute obt.dance because I'm a domain nerd and that's a... <laughs> OBT.dance? Um, OBT.dance, yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw that dot .dance had become a, a, a domain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got to do cool. that. Absolutely. Um, also my email there. And uh, yeah, so we offer everything. Uh, we're going to get back to our adult training in the summer. Okay. I hope. We think that ballet, as much as I've been talking about it as this very serious vocational thing, we think that it's also something that if you want to just do it casually... You don't need an excuse or a reason to. You yeah. don't need to do it because you want to get fit or because you want to have more flexibility or whatever. Why doesn't matter to us. We teach adult ballet the same way we would teach kids, which yeah. is one part at a time. And we find that 
that really resonates with people and they find the passion for it the same way we do. And it creates kind of a, a longer dedication to the art rather than some of the popular fad workouts that, that adults get involved with and then and, and then eventually walk away. Walk from, away. Yeah. 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 Well, there's something about ballet that's timeless, right? And again, it's not only not only is it, it in a sense it's an art form, but it's also a means of expression. It's a workout. I mean, there are a lot of factors in there. So I would go to see Alvin Ailey every year. Oh. So, I mean, it was just like, you yeah. know, I mean, it was, I always had like a, a, a high degree of respect for that. And our high school used to do a program called Terpsichoreans, mm-hmm. which was uh, in a, like everybody that was a young lady in my school and in some of the guys wanted to be Terpsies because it was a big <laughs> deal. Yeah. And it was just, it was very expressive. And I mean, they would put several months worth of work into doing like a, a full weekend show and they would do like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the place would be packed. I mean, yeah. like you name it. Oh, yeah. And that was, to me, that's one of the beauties of dance and and just expression of the arts from that vantage point that everybody can kind of come together yeah. and appreciate it together. Yeah. And it can also, it can be a great reflection of what those people are and and it can be used as that. I mean, any art form can be used as a, as a powerful, you know, tool for you know, expressing an idea or or for activism, et cetera. But again, that like I said it earlier, that art form needs to have the the trust and respect of the people. It needs to be part of the culture and not some unreachable thing on a on a pedestal <laughs> right, somewhere. Right. For you know, only you a need few. To, you need to, yeah. <laughs> it's for everybody. It's for, it's everybody. for everybody. We yeah. want everybody to come see it. And and here's the deal. We are a nonprofit. We are near capacity. Randy, this is the part where I tell you that we're looking for donations and need some money. <laughs> right. But more than that, yes, if you're somebody out there who wants to be involved with our board, who wants to help me, I wear so many hats. I told somebody the other day, there's a metaphorical closet full of hats and I just right. rummage around, put, put, one, put on, one on, check yeah. the mirror and then realize what job I'm doing that day. <laughs> if you want to help out, please get in touch with me, David at obt.dance. Yeah. If you want to be involved and you, you've heard me talking and you say, hey, I still can't afford it, or you go and look at our ticket prices and see that they're kind of expensive. I can't control that so much as you would think. Please give me a call. Yeah. I don't hide from anybody. Yep. Please give me a call and say, hey, I'm with so-and-so group or hey, this is my family. We can't afford tickets, but we want to come see it. And I'll figure something out. I can't make a total promise. Yeah. I can't say, hey, you get you <laughs> free tickets for everybody. I'd right. love to do that. But, you get a ticket. Yeah. You get a ticket. You get but it. We'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, you're involved we'll, in we'll, some group. We'll Oprah fry it, right? Yeah. Or you, or we, maybe we, we can we can find an Oprah that will just support that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and put it together. Maybe, maybe so. you don't, but but you might be involved in a group that I can offer a group buy to that that would get you a discount. I want you to come see my ballet. More than that, I want your kid to come see my ballet. Yeah. And yeah. So I, we'll figure it out. I think we'll what, figure what, it what, out. What, what, what he's saying is that if you're listening to this and. You want to get your kids involved with the Ozark Ballet Theater. You want to expose your kids to the ballet, period. You need to just connect with David Lee Sanders from the Ozark Ballet Theater just to kind of figure out what might be possible. I would say email him at david at obt.dance. We'll put all of David's contact information in the show notes so that you guys know how to reach out to him. I mean, he's he is certainly doing a yeoman's task here in Northwest Arkansas with something that clearly, if you were sitting across from him like I am, you can see his his love and passion for ballet and for what it represents. And and obviously it has changed his life from the age of 16. And 
his goal, I would imagine, is to see see that same experience in the lives of some of the young people that will that will matriculate through the program there. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it, folks. That's David Lee Sanders, the executive director of the Ozark Ballet Theater. And uh, we'll make sure you check out the show notes to get all the contact information for David. Please check them out. And if you do reach out, let them know that you heard about them here first at the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Well, that's it for uh, today's episode. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.